Hello and welcome to the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens, and with me today is... Hi, it's Aaron Watley from Netflix and Grill. I think that one went a lot better, Aaron, than the last time <laughs> I did this. Uh, yeah. It was not so hot. No pause. No pause. Um, I, in my defense, I hadn't, I haven't done a lot of podcasting. So, uh, in the last few months, so that was my excuse. Um, oh, all good. Yeah. How, how are things going? How's the TV watching going? Oh, it's good, man. Uh, I don't have too much new, new since mm-hmm. we spoke last. Um, what I can tell everybody is if you haven't watched just briefly watch Kevin can F himself on, uh, AMC. It is really good. It's really wild. It's avant-garde it takes chances and um oh shoot her name is escaping me right now but the woman who is the lead on uh shit's creek when she's the daughter she's the lead in this and uh she is just incredible she is she is really a force to be reckoned with um so watch kevin can himself Uh, you mentioned that last time and i it's i've seen so many good things about the show but i feel like at the same time it's kind of alone under the radar among like the general population where it's like mm-hmm. tv heads are like on it like this show is amazing you're missing out if you're not watching the show absolutely yeah uh i did start fleabag i'm three episodes in and oh nice man the show is fantastic and for those that didn't listen to the last Great. episode um you were like brian what are you doing you would love the show and you're you're right it's it's fantastic and it's an easy watch yeah it is um, it's, and we might hear more about that later on my list today. We'll see. I am jealous because I wish I could put it on my list. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not there yet, but right. um, we're getting there. Uh, so, for those that are wondering this, if you saw the title of the episode, you know the previous uh, episode that we did. We did uh, the, our our favorite episodes of television of all time, or the top ten best episodes of television of all time. We are now moving to seasons and. You know, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, but my list, um, I came away with two two impressions from my list that I wasn't okay. expecting when I did it, uh, and they, they kind of worked together. One, I was surprised by how many um, how many s- seasons were within the last 20 years. Not absolutely, not a lot. Uh, in the '90s, none in the '80s, and I was being—I mean, spoiler alert. And, sure. And um, but I think TV is different now than it was then. Yeah. Well, and I think what um the main the main reason for that is, and you tell me what you think. I think the main reason for that is probably because uh, HBO, Showtime, um, obviously Netflix and Hulu and all those things were not. Uh, easily accessible and they didn't have sure. the TV production behind uh, or like right. they weren't producing TV the same way. And so everything mm-hmm. was more network. And when you go the network route, we talked about this a lot is like there's 20 plus episodes in a season and it's really hard to make 20 yeah. episodes of good television. 20 at a minimum usually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. At a minimum. A lot of them were, most of them were like 26 to 32, I think. Right. Um, and uh, a lot of them are half-hour shows, and the other thing I, I took away from this is, um, and spoiler alert, um, I don't have any sitcoms on on my my list. Okay, and and, and, and uh, I mean, I guess maybe one could be considered a sitcom, um, but I, right. I don't think so. Um, but I just I was I was surprised by that because I mean, 
um, in I think in the episodes, you know, we we ha- we had I had friends. We both had the office. I had Always Sunny. Right. Um, would you? I don't know if you would consider Larry Sanders. Would you consider that a sitcom? No, I would. I would not. I, it's definitely a different convention than a sitcom. Yeah. So, but I mean, there were there were we at least had sitcom sitcoms in there. And I think if we yeah. rank when we get to our characters, I think there's gonna be a lot of sitcom characters in there. And I think that probably <laughs> sure. there'll be some in uh, the uh, our favorite shows of our favorite like actual shows of all time. Right. Um, there'd be some sitcoms in there. But like for this, when I looked at seasons, I looked and it was like very recently. Uh, a lot of newer shows and no sitcoms, mm-hmm. but th- that's what that was my takeaway. Did you have any takeaways from your list when you were sat down and really uh, looked at you it? No, very, very similar to yours. I and I thought about should I put something like Cheers, which mm-hmm. to me is the quintessential 80s sitcom um, show. It, it kind of redefined or just it defined comedy in the 80s, definitely. I, th- I think on network television. Um, I could go on. A, we could do a whole show about Cheers. I think it's great. I, I watched some of it recently, and I think it stands up pretty good. Um, you know, for me personally, what I thought were the best television series. I have a lot of dark content, not a lot of sitcoms. Yeah, and um, yeah, just just it's kind of more depressing. Maybe I'm depressed. My wife always <laughs> gives me. <laughs> she always gives me grief. Like we can't watch anything fun. You never like to watch anything fun, and I tell her. You're wrong, but looking at this list, maybe maybe she's on to something. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. I, I, I think um I think you bring up a, a, a pretty decent point though, is like um a lot of times in in this goes into movies and obviously we are a movie podcast, but we like to talk TV, but right. I think this carries over a lot is that comedies are almost never propped up in award season they're almost never right. propped up in when in terms of best films of all time you, you don't ever see a comedy really um if they're not marketed as prestige television usually exactly yeah and i think that can be unfortunate but at the same time when i look at my list i think these are some of the most in, I, I look back and i'm like man that season of x was absolutely fantastic and there's a reason it's on my list Right. You know what I mean? Like absolutely. So, um, I also real quick before we hop into our list. So we're gonna do what we did last time. I think we're gonna go through each one of our, our lists. We'll, I'll, we'll start with you, then we'll go to me. And if we have um an a, a, the same season, if we have the uh-huh. same choice, we'll just wait till whoever has it higher to talk about. Um, and so great format. Yeah, and we we don't know each other's lists, so there's gonna be surprises. Which we, if you listed, uh, yeah. my buddy was like, I loved when you guys were like, oh damn it, I forgot about that one. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> we were reminding each other of like, oh yeah, I forgot about that show or that. Yeah. Uh, so kind um, of like a competition almost, like you know, yeah. Like, oh man, that was better than mine. Son of a yeah. bitch. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like real quick, I had some um. I had some seasons I want to talk about that were, didn't make my list because, mm-hmm. honestly, this was harder in my opinion than yeah, absolutely was it for you too? Yeah, yep, yeah. So real quick, the three seasons of television and this, and so I, I'll be honest with you, you know, I googled like what because I, I know I had my list kind of I think I had my the top five or six like pretty much locked in, but uh-huh. I wanted to be reminded of like okay seasons of television that um may have been special and I kind of forgot about them. And these uh, I think are really good 
um, seasons of television that didn't make my list. Um, and I, so I'll just let's talk, I'm gonna list off uh, four, and maybe they're on your list. If they are, you tell me to shut up, and we'll talk about it then. But um, okay, season season four of Mad Men, I think, is um, one of the best seasons of television. It didn't make my uh, list. That got cut from my list too. That was the one that got cut from my list. Go really? ahead. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh, season six of The Americans, which we talked a lot a lot about mm-hmm. last. Um, uh, last episode, it, it it just missed my cut as well, and then yep. two other ones that I was really reminded of, and I and I kind of like, kind of forgot about, I guess, is for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, was season, um, season one of Homeland, which oh. that show became so bad towards the end that I think we've mm-hmm. kind of forgot. I don't know if you did you ever watch it. I have not watched one minute of that, unfortunately. So season one was like really just fantastic television that I think, like I said, I think people kind of forgot about because the rest of the, like two was good, but then after two, it was like, I mean, it was just mediocre would be generous. And then, and then one that was really, it was, it was on there on my list until uh, the the last minute. And I just kind of decided on a little bit, what was more enjoyable and what was more satisfying. Uh, And that was season three of the leftovers. Uh, I, I, I removed from my, for my list, yeah. um, which was difficult. Um, I do want to say a caveat that I made uh, in my in my list, um, just because I didn't want to have a bunch of the same seasons of the same show. I only right. allowed myself to put one season from each from each television show on my oh, list. Same here, okay. absolutely great. If, so, I, if I could just add to that, on the two shows that I axed, um, and and the caveat is, well, I'll just tell you what it is. It's if season one of Stranger Things would have been the only season of season of Stranger mm-hmm. Things, and it just would have particularly uh, quenched my my Generation X nostalgia yeah. for the '80s and done it in such a fine manner, if it would have been the only season, I really think Stranger Things would have made my list. Mm. And um, an early episode, an early season of The Simpsons. I'm not even sure which one it would be, but The Simpsons is so important in how the development mm-hmm. of television in the last that's true thirty years. Um, you know, maybe maybe one of the seasons with uh, you talk about who shot Mr. Burns last week, mm-hmm. or the monorail episode, or uh, Homer's mother's episode when when The Simpsons was really firing on all cylinders. But my Simpsons and Stranger Things are not on my list. Yeah, those are two great choices. I I kind of am making mine honestly. I kind of block just pretty much anything that was on network TV. I kind of was like, man, probably not going to pick that. Um, but. Yeah. I don't know if that's fair or not because obviously there's some there was some really great television, but I just when I look at my list, I think these are just these are kind of the I don't know to me they're yeah. some of the most quintessential shows and, and seasons of television. So um, right on. I'm sure we missed some. I'm sure there's there's shows that we both love or seasons that we enjoyed that are, should be on here that aren't. But um, uh, I'll let you kick it off. No, you're number ten. Um, best okay. season of television of all time. Okay, so listeners, just throw out everything we just said about um, network television <laughs> and, and shows that are more than 20 years old. Uh, I'm going to have one hot take for the, my whole list. This is my uh, my Skip Bayless kind of yeah, hot take, I Yeah, I love guess. it. I love it. Um, Freaks and Geeks. Oh, man. I was so close. So I should say one other caveat to, to my list, mm-hmm. and uh, I apologize for cutting you off. No, but it's fine. I left out single seasons. And um, okay. I re- and and I I don't think that that was necessarily the right de- decision, but um, 
Freaks and Geeks was definitely on my list until I made that decision. Go sure. ahead, because it is fantastic. No, it, it is so good. For listeners who may not be aware, it's uh, really Judd Apatow's, uh, the work that put him on the map. Um, it is uh, a story about suburban Detroit high school in 1980. And you look at it at first, and you think it might be Detroit suburb fast times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot deeper. It's heartbreaking. It's funny. It's sweet. Um, and it's a tale of the haves and have-nots. But in a sense that it's two sides of the have-nots trying to outdo each other or just be the cool kids. It's the freaks and the geeks. Yeah. Um, and if, if you haven't tuned in, I'm just going to go through a list of um, the actors and actresses who are on the show. And it's, it's in the late 90s. It's a who's who of who would be major forces in Hollywood six years later it's it's really amazing uh linda cardinelli cardinelli i never say her name correctly uh john francis daly james franco sam levine seth rogan jason siegel martin star just to name a few That's they round out the cast isn't that amazing i mean apatow really knocked it out of the park uh it, it was canceled and never got another shot i i hoped it would not go that way, uh, but it did go that way. I, I wrote in my notes that it's the finest teenage dramedy that I, mm-hmm. that I can recall, whether it's movie form or television form. And maybe it's because of it only had maybe 19 episodes or something like that. One season got killed before its time. But I just love Freaks and Geeks. It's uh, it's really sweet. It's really funny. And uh, it's, it's a show you can really breeze through. Excellent show. Excellent choice. And one of the things I'll say about Freaks and Geeks is it's one of – I think this isn't necessarily the case of all the shows on my list. I I, mm-hmm. I will say for the most part, this is true, but it is completely rewatchable. I, I try to rewatch Freaks and Geeks at least once a year. Um, Absolutely, it's it is just fantastic. I mean, the characters are so good; they're so, so good. good. Um, and you obviously, have the uh, high school yearbook box set. No, I, I don't. I that is I I I just watch it from. Yeah. Um, I think it's Hulu or it's it's Paramount Plus. I think is what has it. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was on Netflix for a while, um, too. But I think right. I think it's on Paramount Plus now. But um, no, I definitely that would be something I would probably want to grab is some physical media that uh, in case it goes away. Sure. But yeah. um, also shout out to um, uh, uh, Biff Tanner, aka Tom Wilson, who oh, plays yeah. Coach Ben. Um, yeah. So and he's the opposite of Biff Tanner. Yeah, right. He really, yes. He's really a nice, caring teacher who yeah. tries to take Bill under his wing. And one of the funniest episodes when he dates Bill's mom. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's so good. Yes. Uh, great choice. Absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad that made your list uh, because yeah. I didn't have the balls to put it on my list. Um, yeah. uh, so number 10 for me uh, is a show that we, we've talked about before. We both, I think, enjoyed a lot. and We both uh, love and that's season six, which is the final season of Six Feet Under, and nice. um, I love this show. I mean, this is like is like right up my my alley with like some of the supernatural stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, it, it, this to me is a comedy too. Like it's, I mean, it is a comedy. Sure, it's it funny. is. Um, and it's just very endearing. And the reason I picked the the the, the final season, which in some parts can be uneven and I think that you could argument yeah. maybe season three is a little bit better, but that final episode is almost perfect. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. is one of the most perfect episodes of television. So to me, I, I had to pick, uh, if I had to pick a season, I would just pick the sixth season because of that. So, 
Absolutely. Yeah. When when you're watching season six and in the in the waning moments of the whole series and that mm-hmm. Kia song comes mm-hmm. on and Claire's in the Prius headed <laughs> east to New yeah. York. Oh man, I get goosebumps talking about it right now. It's yeah. so good. It's such a beautiful moment. And I, I also like I, I like to talk about this because I think Lauren Ambrose is a terrific actress. Uh, sure Claire Fisher. And this there's a lot of talent on this show too. Obviously, you know, Michael C. Hall, um, who would mm-hmm. go on to play Dexter, but um you also had Freddie Rodriguez who who played Rico and he is he is like one like an unheralded talent I feel like in Hollywood. He's doing a lot of things now, but for a long time I think he was kind of, you know, um underrated. But anyways, that's that's here there. But yeah, that was my that's my number ten pick. Great pick, man. Love it. Thank you. Your number nine? My number nine, um it's I didn't put a single episode of this on our list last week <laughs> and there'll be some of the same things. Some that'll repeat, but yeah. uh the most recent season of HBO Succession. Man, I didn't put that. That is a good choice. That is, that show is so good. It is so so good, you know. And I hope. Um, and you and I talk about this all the time. Show's got to know when to call it quits. And the mm-hmm. show is so good. I'm not saying they have to call it quits in season four, but if they did, boy, could they really wrap it up great. But for those who don't know, Succession is about um, a billionaire family um, who run uh, one of the largest media conglomerates in the world. And uh, they're just ruthless to each other, and they're fighting for succession of the father, played by uh, Brian uh, Cox. Mm. Um, they're trying to get Logan's uh, corporation away from him. Um, in my notes, I put that uh, Tom with the kill shot in the last episode uh, is perhaps the best <laughs> season-ending twist oh, I love Tom. of the show in recent memory. Yeah, and he is so good. He is so good. The relationship between Tom and Greg always makes me laugh. <laughs> Same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just oh, love man. the way he rates Greg. It's just so yeah. good. It's so it's such good television. You can't make a Tomlet without cracking a few Gregs. <laughs> oh, such good writing. So, so good. funny. Um, oh, it's just it's just uh, so good, so well written. You get to see the globe, which is really cool, and um, the the dick pic from last season. <laughs> Sorry for any ru- viewer or listeners <laughs> if that comes off rude, but. Uh, Kieran Culkin um, sends a, a uh, photo of himself to his dad on accident, and it's a television moment that moment that will live in infamy. Hundred percent is it's so good. That is a uh, he is it's between Tom and Kieran Culkin's character are yeah. probably my two favorites. Uh, right. So the thing with this show, and I always and I. I, this is the way I explain to people who are like, I don't know, is it good? What? I'm like, yeah, it's terrific. It's honestly, it's like a modern day Game of Thrones is what it it is. Oh, is the way a way I kind of uh, view it, yeah. right? Because it's sure, it's they're all vying for this seat, and right. they're all they all they they love each other to an extent, but they all trying to they're all trying to backstab each other. They're all trying to just gain that power. Um, Absolutely, and it is. Uh, it's very similar to Game of Thrones in that aspect. Obviously, there's no dragons or um, right or like large scale battles, but <laughs> yeah, uh, great choice. Anything else you want to say about Succession? Um, well, I was what was? Oh yeah, I think. Uh, excuse me. The uh, it's in my notes here. Um, Kendall, excuse me. Kendall, Kendall Jeremy yeah. Strong is such good, such good uh, actor, and his performance is so good. And I'm really interested to see how. Uh, the event of the car wreck in yeah. season one 
is going to play out in season four because there's going to be a podcast. They said in the show. Oh yeah, I didn't hear that. not not about the show, but uh, the, yeah. the last episode they talked about uh, the podcast. People want to interview Kendall about the, the car wreck. Mm. So that is that is happening, and we're going to see if how Kendall handles it all. Uh, just just watch Succession if you haven't. Give it a chance. If it's not for you on the first episode, give it two more, and and it will be. Yeah, that's I. I you're right. Um, my number. I think my number. Uh, nine is going to be on your list. Um, so, uh-huh. but it's Dexter season four. Um, did that make your list? It did not, but I do love that season. Yeah, we talked about it last week. I, I went back and I watched uh, the last four episodes because I wanted to, yeah, see why it was so fun. And uh, <laughs> let me just tell you, starting it. Well, it's probably I, I didn't watch episode eight, but starting at episode nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, this is peak television. It is some yeah, of the sure. best writing, and John Lithgow is. This is one of the best villains who have ever graced the small screen. It is, yep. absolutely chilling and brutal. It just if you yeah. haven't seen if you haven't seen uh, the show, I would just say skip right to season four. I mean, the first four seasons are okay. Yeah. The first three seasons are okay. But man, that fourth season is it. Yeah. To this moment, just thinking about how it ends is just talk about dark television. Very dark. Uh, the way Dexter kind of has a father son relationship with Lithgow, and then Lithgow's character is the Trinity Killer. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So between Dexter and the Trinity Killer, uh, the father Dexter was kind of has been looking for since his own dad died. I kind of liked. Mm-hmm. that kind of role and uh, just film so great. And it really, uh, the series never is the same in a lot of ways from a script standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, from a direction standpoint, from writing standpoint after season four, it, it's never that good again. Yeah. Unfortunately you're, you're right. And it like you, I think you mentioned in the last episode, it probably should have stopped here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, because it just, it gets progressively worse every yep. season afterwards um yeah um Absolutely. yeah so that was that's my that's my number nine what's your number eight okay okay this might be on your list um game of thrones season four okay so i have a game of thrones season and man it was like honestly like trying to pick between game of thrones seasons um you're really you're really picking between four i think four five and six right yes and absolutely there's just something about four that does stick out like almost every i don't know what it is but every show and i did choose i did choose season four for my list so we will talk about that in a minute um okay but real quick i mean because i I think i don't know i I feel like we'll talk about four when we get there but like i I feel like we could have like i said you could have chosen five or six absolutely right um but you know like five so five i think um had yeah five had hard home in it which was obviously one of the uh, big episodes mm-hmm. and then of course episode, or season 6 had the door which i think yeah. wrecked a lot of people and then it ended with um yep. two of the best back to back battle of bastards and winds of winter but we'll talk yeah. about season 4 in a little bit if that's okay with you sounds great um so my number 7 is justified season 2 and you want to do your num- number 8 oh wait i skipped yeah i did my oh number 8 that's what i meant sorry I'm at number yep. eight. My number eight is Justified season two. Nice. So, uh, Justified I get again is one of my all time favorite shows. I just enjoy it. But for those who don't know, season one was kind of more of a week to week 
it was like kind of looking for its way a little bit through, especially through the finding first, its footing. Yeah, especially through like the first seven episodes, it really picked up at the tail end when it started to focus in on uh, Boyd and um, and Raylan's, I think, connection and um, their relationship. But then in season two, mm-hmm. um, it introduces Margot Martindale as um, Mags, Mags, and which is another just all time. Great villain and great character, Amen. and oh. go ahead. Sorry, is she is she the villain or is she what? the hero? Good, that's yeah, and that's what's so great about this this season right. and this show. Honestly, like that's what makes this such a um, a moving. And and I rewatched that final episode just to see, like you know, I and I did this with a few. Not I didn't do this with everything, but I did this with a few of them. And man, uh, when they're I, I, spoiler if you haven't seen it, fast forward twenty seconds a minute when she's drinking out of that glass and the at the apple t- pie yeah and at the time you know um i remember watching it live and you're not really sure you're like is he like oh my god she's gonna kill raylan and then yeah. you slowly realize and that nope she's got the poison in her glass and yeah you're just like holy shit <laughs> like that was like a holy shit moment for me um, absolutely he says mags what did you do when he's piecing it together yeah, and and then she says, oh, "I get another great mystery," which is a line I think she used a few times yes. that season before somebody died. Yes, That's fucking terrific. Yeah, but for the most part, again, this season is carried, I think, by uh, Boyd and um, and uh, Margaret Martindale. Uh, sorry, I said Boyd, like, but um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, oh my god, who plays Boyd Crowder? Um, oh, my mind just went blank. Um, uh, Wal- Walton Goggins, Walton Walton Goggins, Goggins and yeah. um, and Margot Martindale, I think, are just they carry this this season of television, and it truly yeah. is one of my favorite. Um, I, Justified is a show that I re- revisit often. I've watched it multiple times all the yeah. way through, and I just man, that last episode gets me every time. Um, Mar- so- uh, she Miss M- Martindale is that how I pronounce her last name? Margot Martindale, correct? Yeah. She has never made a show worse. She has made everything she's yeah. ever been attached to better. Great. She adds, and BoJack Horseman, they were always referred to her as esteemed character actor, Margot Martindale. <laughs> and it should, it should, rightfully so, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And and I I think the first time you hear that, you think uh, that's an insult, but then you realize it's not because she is she is Hollywood royalty to me. She's just great. And you, like you said, any show that she's a part of, she just makes. Um, so much better. Um, her in the Americans. Um, yep, another great character. But anyways, yeah. Um, I um, I thoroughly enjoy Justified, and I think that's the best season. So that is my uh, number eight. What is your okay. number seven? Okay, number seven. It's gonna take us to 2015 on FX. Uh, Fargo season two. Man, I, Fargo is another one that I, I I haven't finished all the seasons yet. I've watched one yeah. and two. Um, there's three, right? There's three seasons. There is three, and the fourth one is on the way. Um, no, the fifth one is on the way. I haven't even watched the fourth. Uh, so it's it's a they're standalone seasons, right? And yeah. they they all have something roughly to do if you put put the dots together mm-hmm. yourself. The Fargo, the movie. But they can all stand alone by themselves, too. So I tried to think about it as a writer when I like to write about television. Now mm-hmm. I was going to talk about this. But I just uh, I had trouble putting it together. So this is from the Wikipedia, mm. which really puts it together well. It's so, a prequel to the events in the first season of Fargo. Season two of Fargo takes place 
in the upper Midwest in March of 79. It follows the lives of a young couple, Peggy and Ed, as they attempt to cover up the hit and run, a hit and run homicide of Rye Gerhardt, the son of Floyd Gerhardt, who is the matriarch of the Gerhardt crime family. Uh, during this time, Minnesota State Trooper Lou Sarvels, Salverson, and uh, anyway, Ted Danson is another cop who takes over, and they all investigate this hit and run and um, hijinks and and debauchery and murder happen because all this is going on as well as the Kansas City Mafia has moved to town to try to take over the Gerhardt family business. Um, Kristen Dunst, awesome. Patrick Wilson, awesome. Jesse Plemons, awesome. The whole cast is great, but Gene Smart as the de facto matriarch <laughs> of the Gerhardt crime family is just incredible. It might be in a, in a career full of highs. To me, this might be her best work. She is so good. She is so ruthless. She, her character is so smart. And the guy trying to stop her is Ted Danson. Yeah. Who is no slouch himself. And I think I do think it's Ted Danson's best work of his whole career as well. Uh, the music is great. The cinematography is great. Like anything Fargo-related, uh, the nature, the state, the outside becomes a character itself as mm -hmm. well because they're in Minnesota. Um, it is... You can... In fact, I think if you want to watch anything Fargo related, Fargo related, excuse me, including the movie, just start with Fargo season two. I think it is a hair better than the movie, and um, every episode is a standalone movie, and it's just pieced together really well. The music is great. I can't say enough good things about Fargo season two. Yeah, I agree. It's a great season of television. I'd pro I probably should revisit it. I don't know why it didn't stick with me the way because mm -hmm. I remember watching it like when it was coming when it was on TV. And I was like, man, and I think probably because it was, it is, you know, it's an anthology series, so it's like a one-off. Yes, um, right. But this, I mean, you just named a few. I mean, this cast also has uh, Joey King, who was kind of blown up a little bit late. She was really young then, but um, mm -hmm. Kristen Malati, who has done some really great work. Bob Odenkirk is obviously in this. Oh, yeah. Um, Jason Schwartzman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Jesse Buckley, mm -hmm. who's kind of big right now. She's doing stuff. Carrie Coon, who yeah. um, I think fantastic in the leftovers is also good in this chris rock is in this um actually those those are those people are in later episodes at later seasons of fargo oh sorry yeah yes you're right i apologize yes yeah but no that, that's all right you're right some They're, of them are in season two though yes um uh patrick wilson and gene smart uh chris and is definitely in this this season but uh bokeem woodbine woodbine is the other one that i wanted to mention who plays yes. mike um, Milligan in this um, and going back so to good. it's a smaller part but uh, Kieran Calkin is also in this season yeah. um, and hey, shocker he's the guy who screws up with the, the loud mouth guy who screws up and sets the whole wheels into motion yeah right imagine and that the whole series of Fargo is just loaded with with actors I, I again I haven't seen uh, anything past season two so I don't, I can't speak to the qual yeah. quality, but I do, I do say, I, I will say that I definitely enjoyed the first two seasons of, of, of yeah. the show. Um, which it me again, it's like, why didn't I continue to watch it? I just, I don't know. Like, yeah. I can't. Well, I, I still haven't watched season four, so. I'm I mean, I mean, but did you, so you watched season three then? I did. And I can't, honestly, I can't recall anything about it at this particular moment. Yeah, I wonder. But season two is the one. Season two is the home run hitter in this anthology. Yeah, Carrie Coon is in season three. I'm looking at it right now. 
Um, oh, with and then you and McGregor plays twins. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, one's yeah. A, one's a pro officer and the other one is a criminal. Um, it has some good parts. Okay. But it's no season two. Yeah, and if you look at some of the, I'm looking at some of the critic like reviews, like uh, season season four is the one with Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman. And Correct. It, and it didn't it did not get great reviews, so that's maybe that's yeah. why we maybe that's why we didn't watch it. But I need to watch right. season two over again because I remember just I remember that ending and it it being like. Man, that was I, I I remember at the time feeling that season two of Fargo was better than the movie Fargo. I remember that. Yeah. Sure. That feeling for sure. Um You betcha. You betcha. Alright, so that was your number seven, correct? Correct. My number seven is uh and I talked a little bit about this in the last uh uh last episode, but um this is this will be the oldest. I'm going to the nineties, nineteen well <coughs> excuse me. I think the season may have aired let me check yeah aired in 99 2000 so season hmm. four of buffy the vampire slayer oh um, i sh- should have known <laughs> and <laughs> you're probably sick of hearing me talk about buffy no not at all but um you know season one and one and part of season two are, re- are kind of a tough watch uh if you go back and rewatch them because they're very much a story of the week monster of the week type of show and yeah. again we were dealing with 20 plus episodes things get kind of sketchy but something happened in season three and I, again i know josh whedon is not the best person and um you know I, I he has been much maligned but he had he has done something very extraordinary with um this 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 series mm-hmm. and Honestly, that was, you know, some of the writers that he employed. So I, I wanted to bring sure. I just wanted to bring this up because I feel like, you know, um obviously, you know, everybody talks about Josh Whedon and because of Avengers, but uh, he did employ a lot of really good writers um who were were women and then uh-huh. um some you know good men but like Jane Epson who uh wrote so many episodes of Buffy, just like constant like Buffy writer, but she was involved in writing things like um, Game of Thrones. She was involved in, mm-hmm. and she, you know, she went on to do a t- tons of other stuff. Uh, had a really, really, really awesome career. Um, Rebecca Kish- Kishner, and a lot, obviously a lot of these names are not like recognizable because they're writers, right? <laughs> so they're right. like, yeah. and unfortunately, um, I think you know writers obviously don't get enough. But she wrote um, for Freaks and Geeks that we just talked about, and she oh, wrote cool. for Gilmore Girls. Um, mm-hmm. He also introduced the world to Drew Goddard, who um, obviously is a huge Academy Award winning yeah. writer. Um, he's went on to write things like um, for um, the Leftovers and, and other things. And then the last one, and then I'll talk about the episode. I apologize for doing this, but. Um, Marty Nixon, uh, she is known for writing Sharp Objects on HBO, which yeah. if you haven't seen, is a great show. She wrote for Glee, yep. um, and she produced twenty episodes of Mad Men. Uh, so she, whoa, yeah. So Marty Nixon, um, you know, and she got her start on Buffy. There's a lot of really, really good writers that got their start on Buffy. That um, you'd be surprised if you go through and look at some of the stuff they they did. Sure. Um, so basically what I'm saying is, you know, I'm Josh Whedon's vision was was great, but yeah. he employed and um was really carried by a lot of fine fine people behind the scenes. Yeah. Um but season 4 um transitions from 
Buffy and her, the, they called themselves the Scooby Gang, from mm-hmm. the high schoolers to their freshman year of college. And the show really, 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 I think at this point becomes what it's known for today, right? There's several like highly rated episodes in this um, in this season, and it's really between four and five. I mean, five okay. uh, is also you know top notch. Um, multiple highly rated episodes in that as well, but. That's, you know, I talked about the body last week. That's in season five. Yeah. But season four, I think for me, the main reason I picked season four is just we kind of we get to see these characters um, become more adult and you kind of see uh, the growing pains between uh, leaving high school and going to adulthood and transition transition. And of course, you you get everything that goes along with Buffy, the vampires, the slang and. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the comedy, but yeah, just an absolute excellent episode of television or series season of television. Um, yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You knew it was going to be on my list somewhere, and it's absolutely. <laughs> All right, what is your? Is it we're on number six? Number six. Number six. What is your number six? Arrested Development season two. I wanted to lighten it up a little bit, and um, to me, Arrested Development. Uh, it's only the, really the first three seasons. Like mm-hmm. Dexter's the first four mm-hmm. seasons. Arrested Agreed. Development is only the first three seasons. Anything after that doesn't really count. Uh, the humor, if, Arrested Development in any season, but particularly season two, is uh, I'm glad it came out when DVR kind of came out. Yeah. Because you had to rewatch it. Perfect. You would laugh. Yes. You, you would laugh through the next three jokes sometimes. Yes. Because they're just so rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. Uh, highlights from season two of Arrested Development is George Sr. escaping to Mexico by framing his twin brother Oscar in jail. Oh, my God. So good. Buster losing his hand, which is just a laugh riot. You did, it's television, so it's over the top. It's dumb, yeah. but it's so smart and funny. And uh, Tobias joining the Blue Man Group. Which I was going to say is probably my favorite episode of the entire series. I blew myself, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I absolutely love that scene. I, that is, uh, I, I, I mean, it is one of the most iconic scenes in my mind. Uh, great choice. I, I don't know how I left Arrested Development off my list, but it is, you, you nailed it. It's such a fun show. Light and fun. And extremely rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. Like, uh, I think you're right. The first three seasons. Um, and obviously, you know, part of that is like, there's such a big gap. I mean, there that was like seven years between season three and season right. where Netflix did, but season two is one of the, like, if you were asked me like to choose between, uh, season one or season two, I think I would choose season two as well, but mm-hmm. it's because every episode is just like, building on itself and it, it it's yes. it starts like with a bang um so yeah. i just yeah it is yeah you nailed it with that such a great season of television and um the afternoon delight episode is <laughs> one of is an all-timer as well with yeah. you know it's it, with um um uncle and niece uh, yes <laughs> yeah. and and just just and Job trying to uh, d- d- doing the the banana suit uh, bit, and I just right. it is it is fantastic television. Great great choice. It, 
Thank you. Um, What's your number six? My number six is Game of Thrones. All right, let's do it. Yeah, so we both picked the same season of television, which I I knew was going to happen eventually. And, um, you know, like I said, Game of Thrones is just, I mean, there's uh, all the seasons pretty much up until, I think, seven. It's like one through six are just fantastic. But if you look at four, and I'm looking, I mean, the... You, you have the first two episodes are the two are two swords, um, mm-hmm. which is it basically ty- uh, uh, Tyrion Tyron Tyrion is back in King's Landing, and uh, John is standing trial. Daenerys is appointed to Marine, uh, is a, is appointed um, the mother of all slave cities, and then mm-hmm. um, then you have the second episode of the season, which is the Lion and the Rose, which. That's Je- that's Joffrey and Marjorie's wedding, um, and so yeah. that's how you start the season off. And though, right. and, and that's just, and that's not even. I mean, there's tons of other episodes through. I mean, or uh, yeah, episodes throughout that just it continually knocks its way out. And yeah. when I and when I'm looking, when I was looking through, I'm like, oh my god, this season of television is just off the charts. It yes. is off the charts. Um, and you know every episode is a banger, as the kids would say. Yep. Um, so I think every episode's a standalone movie. Yeah, every episode in season four is a stand. Like it is the peak of, of Game of Thrones. So that's why it made my list. Uh, same here. Uh, what I can contribute to that is uh, I just jotted down some notes in my notes. The highlights, uh, besides the wedding, obviously, but you know, Cersei was arrested. Mm-hmm. Jamie Lannister and Bronze Buddy Cop romance. Yeah, begins. that's that's uh, always good. Could have a whole uh, season of that, just like yeah, just absolutely. Tyrion, Tyrion, and Daenerys team up, which maybe spells the end for Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Tyrion he gives worse and worse advice as the show goes on, but <laughs> yeah, right. this kind of happens. Uh, Arya begins her assassination training, training, mm-hmm. and then Sansa becomes engaged to Ramsay, which is just an awful, awful, Ugh. awful yeah. episode. And then uh, at the end. As the credits start to roll at the end of season four, Jon Snow gets murdered by little orphan Ollie. Yeah. And uh, there's something, there's a highlight of every episode. Uh, I feel like after this season, a lot of these relationships, these dynamics, really have an impact on how the show ends. Yeah. Uh, but the, the scope of it's, it's Game of Thrones with the quality of the special effects and the writing and the pace, uh, it's really just... It, textbook like it should be in a textbook how to do a television yeah. show with a big budget yeah you know and I feel like this is uh, the other thing about this season and then you know um, we can move on but like the other thing about this season I think is important is like this is kind of like where everybody is kind of at their best you know what I mean sure like in terms of like like you have the the, the episode where uh, at, at trial where, where Tyrion is essentially being a lawyer and he's yeah he, he's talking uh, himself in and out of trouble and that's what that character does best and then you have like right. the episode the mountain and the viper which is one of you know oh man one of the best you know fight scenes in all of television so yep. just this is the show is doing its best work here and um yeah I like five a lot. I like six. Okay. Sure. Um, but I don't think it's ever as good as season four for sure. Agreed. All right. So that was, um, my one, uh, I'm sorry. 10, that was nine, your eight, six. Seven, six. That was my six. What is your number five? Um, so I guess I'm going on the anthology route a lot more than I thought. Uh, true <laughs> detective season one. 
Yeah, I, Detective Season One is fantastic. I, I I left the anthologies off as well. Um, yeah, and looking back, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Because True Detective Season One could easily be top five. It could easily, be, if you told me it was the best season of television, I would be like, I don't agree with you, but I can see why you said that. Sure. Well, it's number five for me. Um, constructed as a nonlinear narrative, Season One focuses on homicide detectives Rust Cole and Marty Hart. They are the original odd couple. Um, they are homicide police from Louisiana investigating the murder of a, of a teenage prostitute. And 17 years later, their story uh, comes full circle as they reunite, uh, solve another crime. I think it really defined how crime stories were portrayed for the next decade of television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really just redefined. Everybody tried to copy it right away. Yeah. Right. Um, and even the showrunners of True Detective couldn't copy the success <laughs> right, and the quality exactly. of their yeah, own show. They outdid exactly. themselves. Uh, it's got a touch of the supernatural, um, which I'm sure you like. Yes. And, uh, you know, just Russ Cole, he seems to be the bad guy, but he does things with good intention. Mm-hmm. And Marty seems to be the good guy, but he does a lot of things with bad intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode where they, uh, they spoiler alert, where they, they kill the, uh, the kidnapper. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just phenomenal television. Uh, they have one of the longest takes in television history. Uh, going back to when uh, McConaughey, who plays Rust Cole, was undercover, um, it's like a nine-minute shot of a, of, of uh, just anarchy, uh, and the whole Rust being this this philosophy kind of guy, this philosopher, uh, uh, an, an atheist who mm-hmm. uh, has a crucifix to reflect on Christ's journey. It's really, in lesser hands, it would be cheesy, but mm-hmm. it's really well done, and McConaughey's so good. Uh, he won the Emmy for this, and then in the same year, he won the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. So he was on fire back then. His career has changed for the better since then. Um, that's just great. The whole uh, time is a flat circle mm-hmm. is the the whole arc of it. I don't know. This is my thought. So if you go back and you watch the very very first scene of the episode of season episode one, excuse me, it's it's kind of you don't know what it is. It's two people. Or there's rustling in the background. You don't know what it is, and then it's daylight, and mm-hmm. it shows Laura Dora Lang's body. Well, that rustling to me is Marty and Rust still walking away from the hospital after their last conversation. Ah, I love, I love that. Okay, so, and I think that's what it is. I, I don't know. I really think that's that fits in the, fits in the theme of time being a flat circle. Yeah. Um, the chemistry between Rust and Marty are awesome. If you haven't watched True Detective one, you really need to watch it. It's gory, it's supernatural, it's tense, it's smart, and it just changed the crime drama. Like I said, for the next decade. Yeah, and so one thing else I think it did too is if you look at a lot of the shows that we have on our list, um, mm-hmm. and if you look at um, TV prior to this, um, movie stars. If they were going back to TV, even if it was HBO, it was viewed as a step back, right? They were taking a right. step back. What you saw was, you know, James Gandolfini becoming a star because of Sopranos or, you know, yes. something like that. This was the opposite of that. This is kind of when prestige TV meant something like, oh, they're McConaughey and Harrelson are doing what for HBO? Exactly. And it really changed, I think, um, actors and. Um, uh, studios or you know just the perception of agents and in, in Hollywood in general of what it means to be on TV 
Yeah. Well really put. Do. That's very, very true. Um, and honestly, that was the appeal to me. Like, I was like, holy crap, Matthew McConaughey and, and, and yeah. Woody Harrelson are on a t- television show uh, 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 about a murder, a true crime, not true yeah. crime, but a crime-solving um, mystery. I'm on board. And then... Hell yes. Like, it is... And what I think is also great about the season television is it builds. That first episode is great, yeah. but each episode after it just keeps getting better and better. And um, right, yeah, the tension builds throughout the season from episode to episode. Yeah, and it's not like there's no tension; it's high tension the whole time. It just gets yes. more and more tense. Absolutely, and and like I said, this could easily, easily uh, be in anybody's top five. I think it's an excellent yeah. choice. All right, so my number five, and this is when I said it was like, oh, this could. I guess could be considered a um a a sitcom, but my number five is Atlanta season two. Um, oh, nice, nice. And we and we talked about we talked about Teddy Perkins last mm-hmm. week, but um this season is also filled with other great. I mean, the the, the first episode of the season is called Alligator Man, and um <laughs> it's. Yeah. So this 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 is the one where we're introduced to Cat Williams as Willie. Yep. Just a, it's a hilarious episode, but it's also kind of just shows what it's like to live in this part of Atlanta. Um, sure. And then you know you go through barbershop, which is like this just mild chill like um, uh, sh- episode where um, Paperboy just trying to get his haircut. All he wants to do is get right. a haircut. That's yeah. all he wants to do. He just wants to get a haircut, and, yeah. and it's just like. Everything in the universe is stopping him from getting a haircut. Right. Um, yeah. And then you transition from that to Teddy Perkins is the very next episode. And then two weeks later, uh, or two, like, you know, not the next up, two yeah. episodes later is The Woods where, you know, it's like oh, uh, another horror movie where he's like, it is a horror movie. you know, so um, just absolute fantabulous, fantabulous, yeah. <laughs> fantastic and yeah. and fabulous uh, right. season of television. Atlanta, I, I mentioned last season. I haven't, I haven't started watching this season. Season three was kind of a disappointment for me. Um, mm-hmm. But seasons one and two, uh, after season two, I, I remember saying, like, this is one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah. Um, and uh, season two is just fantastic. The thing about Alligator Man, too, is not just it's funny, but it's table setting, too, yeah. I believe, because he gets – Earn gets that gun, yep. right? Yep. From Alligator Man. Yep. And that's uh, – Almost gets away with it and almost pins it on Clark County at the mm-hmm. end of Clark County as a fall guy. Uh, and season the season two have the episode where they are in the studio and the guy who was kind of maybe supposed to be Chance the Rapper oh. is Clark County. Yeah. They beat the hell up. They beat up the producer? Yes, yes. Oh, that's yes. hard to watch. It's it's rough. It's rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... Which, but that that episode is also kind of funny too. But yeah, it's yeah. it, and that's a, that's what's so uh, I think got me sold on the show is that it was it was funny and then also brutal. And it's like that. Right. It's just this perfect encapsulation of what life is. Um, uh, you know, you have hilarious moments and then moments of like tragedy or like um, sure struggle. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, a, a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, yeah, season. Um, no misses on season two of Atlanta. No, no misses. No. Yeah, and I think the episode you're referring to is called "Money uh, Money Bag Shouty." <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's what it's called. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's my five. What is your number four? Uh, well, I don't know how in depth I'm going to go because I'm not going to spoil it for you. And I talked about it last uh, week. Okay. Flea Bag season two. 
Um, so it's it's Phoebe Wallers, and um, she's back as Fleabag in season two in 2019 on Amazon. She's a young lady and a young person, young adult in London who is dealing with the death of her mother and perhaps maybe somebody else you find out later. It's really affected her life. Maybe she's got her life back together at the beginning of season two, um, but that doesn't last long. She continues to be charming and writing and directing a lot of these episodes, continuously breaking the fourth wall, winking literally at the audience. Um, there is a romance that just takes over from season from the first episode to the last episode. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough, tough haul for the two characters to work it out. Um, it's the, the finale of a Fleabag season two, or just the finale of the series I wrote on my list is on the very short list for all time. Great series finales. Mm. It's so good. It's beautiful. It's gut wrenching. It's hilarious. Um, and, and it's poignant, but it also manages it manages to be poignant and not take itself completely seriously, mm-hmm. which is such an impossible task. I can't say enough about the whole flea bag run. We, when you talked about it last week, I told our listeners that uh, who are unfamiliar, it is a BBC show that is a, that Amazon broadcast after the fact. Uh, so there are twelve episodes that are about half an hour each. So if you have a long weekend, you can really get through it. Um, if, if you've ever felt alone, if you've ever felt anxious, if you've ever felt like you got no one to rely on, you're alone in the world, like, I think you can rely... And everybody feels that way from time to time. Yeah. You can relate to Fleabag, and, and Phoebe is so just charming and, and funny and smart that you can't help but fall in love with her. Yeah, I mentioned I watched the first three episodes, and I banged those out so fast. Like, it was really easy, and... It was yeah. addictive, and I, I am really You're looking, a quarter of the way done now. Yeah, right, things. and I'm really looking forward yeah. to season four because uh, I heard that it is, like, one of the best uh, of season one, so I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to that. And just shout out again to uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I, I want to see her uh, do more behind-the-scenes stuff. We mentioned that she wrote No Time to Die, the yeah. latest James Bond film, and, you know, she uh, wrote and was a showrunner for, I think, the first two seasons of Killing Eve. Yep. which was fantastic. Um, yeah. So I would love to see her do more writing um, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and she does have some upcoming, you know, uh, I think we, we mentioned it last week. Maybe it was off. I, I, maybe it was off Mike, but um, she is still attached to the Mr. And Mrs. Smith thing that Donald Glover actually dropped out of. Oh, is so she? she's still attached I she to dropped it. Out. He uh, dropped out. Um, I believe if you say so. Well, you know what? I don't know. Okay. You know what? Let me t- backtrack this. She is because I I went and looked at her IMDb. She's yeah. she's not she's not acting in it anymore. She's no longer mm-hmm. acting in it. But she yeah. is listed as a co-creator for whatever that means. Okay, man, it would have it would have been really good in my I head know. to see those two together on screen and to have their visions work together. Yeah, and, you know, just two really super creative, awesome individuals. I completely agree. The person that they got to replace her is um somebody I've never met. Her name is Maya Erkskin, Erkskine. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh but yeah, anyways, I so she's still involved in it in some way. Maybe she's just uh maybe going to be a showrunner. Maybe I don't know. Okay. She's got to be able to pick and choose her spots, I would imagine. I would so. imagine so, yes. Hopefully she's waiting just for the right opportunity. Yeah. Um all right, so we are at my number where we, number uh, five is that right? Four, four, number, number four, four. Sorry, number four, number four. 
so I I'm, I have four seasons of television uh, left, right? And you have three. And I'm Correct. shocked because one of these seasons or one of these shows is not going to be on your list. And I think I know what it is, but uh-huh. I, I think it's my number one show, to be or, to be honest. But we'll see. Um, my number four, and I think some people are probably going to be shocked that I have it this low. But I think once I talk about it, people would probably tend to agree. Um, and I have at drum roll no i'm just kidding at night number four is uh season four of breaking bad um okay and it was do you have do you have season four of breaking bad on your list i do not have breaking bad on my list okay well then um i am i was wrong um i when i was looking at television and i was trying to think of the best seasons i for me it was either four or five of breaking bad um i i could see why people would choose five obviously you have Osmondius, which I like, I think is, yeah. one, is one of the best episodes of all time. Um, and then the last two, but to me, like for the penultimate season, kind of is just more about the characters, and we get more. Um, it's not about the action. Where season five right. is a lot of action, season four is about the characters and getting there. Um, and I just, I really like, I think about that Hermanos episode, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Again, this probably says more about uh, the show than anything, but uh, I think that's one of the best episodes in the entire series, but you know, um, it's mostly about um, Gus and yeah. and his life, but, um, but yeah, so for me, um, I think Breaking Bad season four is um, the fourth best season of television. Sure. There's so much good stuff about Breaking Bad. Um, I guess my better call Saul loves kind of overshadows mm-hmm. my better call, my Breaking Bad love, but the episode particularly you're talking about, um, and off the top of my head, I'm assuming it's the one where Gus's uh, partner was killed at the yeah. pool, correct? Yep, yep. Such a great, um, it's it's such a great episode, and you just talked about how this season, season four, was all about character development without the action. Well, I would I would argue that that particular episode displays Breaking Bad and and its character development and its action yeah. at the best. Because you're getting all the flashbacks with Gus and his partner, and you're learning a lot about Gus's life and what makes him tick. Especially anytime Gus looks into the pool, you know shit's about to go down. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then when Don Eladio and his men start to realize they're poisoned, and there's a shootout, yeah. and um, it just switches from plot-driven to character to, to action-driven, just like that. Yeah. And it's it's uh, it's it's an outstanding episode of television is an outstanding season of television as well all right what is your number three well i'm glad number four for you is good timing number three for me is something we've talked at ad nauseum better call soft season six uh we're gonna have to wait to talk about it because that's on my list a little bit higher okay all right all right so my number three um and I, I I guarantee you have this show on your list. I just don't know if you have the same Sopranos as me. Um, okay. I have as the third uh, best episode uh, season of television as mm-hmm. Sopranos season three. Oh, I do have Sopranos on my list, but not that season. Okay, great. Well, um, we will talk. I mean, should we do this? I mean, how should we do this? Should we wait to talk about Sopranos, even though it's different seasons? Oh, let's just go for your three, and then we'll come back to my five. Okay, there you go. Well, spoiler alert, season five. Oh, spoiler alert. Um, go ahead. No, so 
Uh, I appreciate season five. Season three, I think I picked season three um, again is because it has my favorite episode, and that's Pine Barrens. And I talked <laughs> about Pine Barrens a lot. Yeah, um, right. And I just I I love that whole season and everything that leads up to that episode. Um, yeah. It makes me feel nostalgia for a different time, I guess. Too also it's just the way that sure. that the buildup of that season works. In well, that's uh, the whole Sopranos makes you feel nostalgic for a different time, yeah. especially through the characters' eyes. Right. Yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, and I like um, you have uh, you have the episode uh, University where um, mm. um, uh, Ralph is having. Uh, Ralph is having problems with his girlfriend and um, that takes a huge, that's a huge part of uh, this episode. Um, Yeah. And then, um, then uh, you look at uh, uh, the episode, I'm trying to think uh, the Christmas, (laughs) Christmas episode to save us all from Satan's power, which again is just, you know, he's Tony's having flashbacks and right. it's just uh, – that is one of my favorite episodes too and I kind of forgot about it until I was doing this research. Yeah. Uh, great episode. With, with the famous F.U. Sam. Yes, yes, F.U. Yes, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh! But yeah, so anyways, I just – it's uh, – to me, um, the last three episodes are fantastic too, starting with Pine Barrens and then yeah. um, going through. So I had season three and that's my third uh, favorite season of television. What I'll add to season three is you can still root for Tony. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily stop after season three, but it doesn't last too much longer afterwards. Uh, there's still kind of funny hijinks. Yeah. Like like Pine Barrens. Yeah. Uh, these characters aren't all this completely despicable. Well, they really are, but you can still <laughs> find yourself rooting for them, and you can still rationalize that. Um, and it's fun. It's still new. That's it's, it's a great season. It was between my season... And uh, season three for sure. Um. All right, yours number two. Yeah, my number two. Um, maybe this will be on yours as well. We'll see. Uh, we'll go to 2006 and stay at HBO and go with The Wire season four. Yeah, okay, so uh, we're gonna hold off to talk about that. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert: That's my number one. <laughs> um, my, nice. My number two, uh, and I I strayed away from this. Uh, yeah. with the episodes, but to me, Better Call Saul season six is yeah. uh, the, the second best episode of television. I, I, I the episode thing, I, I, I still am going to stick by, but yeah. when you know, when you have, when you see a season of television and you just, you just know, right? Like, I just feel yeah. like I just, we just know like, uh, in, um, where did you have this on your list? I did it. Number three, number three. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just, Better Call Saul is one of those shows where we, we we did a whole episode. We did multiple episodes about it, and I could talk about it all yeah. day. But I love writing. That's, like, my mm-hmm. my thing. I love good writing. And um, this show, to me, is the epitome of writing. It just yeah. – the characters, the dialogue, the situation. Um, yes, the acting is fantastic, but without that dialogue, it is it is just not as uh, – as, uh, engrossing and yeah. there are multiple episodes in this season that just blow me away they literally Absolutely. like i just it it felt like a i was going to see an oscar worthy movie every single week just yep and you know 
yeah, just so much happens in the season two. Yeah. But um, yeah. Why did you, why did you have this on your list? Well, the, the same reasons a lot writing. Um, the cast is so good. The story is wrapping up and it, you want to see how it ties into breaking bad, which is also, uh, I think they did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess too, I've been rooting for the show for so long. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it for so long. And then every episode was just a, a grand slam. Everything about it was great. The character development, um, even though you knew who these characters are, it was reinforced to you in the most painful mm-hmm. ways possible. Mike um, getting that final conversation with uh, Nacho's dad, and Nacho not Nacho's dad reminding not just Mike but us, the audience. Hey, Mike, you're a bad dude. Mm-hmm. You're a drug dealer. You're a gangster. You're a scumbag. Uh, and the reason I think Nacho's dad. He did tell the audience that it's because of the writing. The writing is so good. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Banks is incredible too. Don't get me wrong. But if if the writing wasn't that good, you wouldn't forget and probably forgive all the terrible things Mike does. Mm-hmm. And that's just a microcosm, a particular story about that individual character. Every main character in Better Call Saul and in the Breaking Bad universe, and generally is written so well that uh, the ambiguity of whether you should root for right. them or not, it's it just kind of flows, not even between episodes, but in between scenes. And if you can pull that off um, for six seasons on Better Call Saul, right. and really, previous to that, another five seasons, I believe, on Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. um, if you can pull that off for the better part of 17 years, uh, you, you're at the top of your game. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um it's funny we we had some crossover here, but I I feel like the three um, our top three are the same show, right? Like yeah, really, yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, two seasons were the same, and you know we didn't tell each other this at all. So, yeah. um, but let's hear about C- Soprano season five and why you picked that, and then we'll okay. talk about my one and your two. So this is your number one, That's perfect number one, this is my season. number one, uh, and it gets a lot of grief in in. Sopranos kind of fan lore or at least more grief than a lot of seasons uh, it's it's season 5 um, I, it just has so many good things so many stories are resolved and it sets up it's the last time Sopranos is lighthearted. in particular it's the very last episode I think that ever you really almost even smile on the Sopranos mm-hmm. is Marco Polo when it's Hughes that, that's Tony's uh, father-in-law Hugh D'Angelo's 75th birthday it's a mm-hmm. surprise party there's a pool, there's a cookout. Tony and Carmela kind of re- start to get rekindled, their relationship. Uh, everybody's happy. Everybody's swimming. And to me, when I go back and I watch The Sopranos, it's, it's I want to, re- like Tony says at the end, remember the good times. And I want mm-hmm. to remember the good times. And there's no better way to remember the good times than Marco Polo or the little bits that you can take from season five. Because in starting in season six, like I said in our previous pod, Tony is immediately punished for his misdeeds mm-hmm. by his uncle Junior. Um, like I said, Tony's kicked out of the house at the beginning. Well, begin the end of season four, and you get to see Tony and Artie living together in Livia's house. That's funny bachelor yeah. times, you know, with with Tony Blundetto, cousin Tony coming over, and they're eating pizza on the couch, watching baseball, and laughing. That's really nice to see. But then also. <laughs> you get to see how bad they are. Adriana and Tony Blundetta were killed in in back-to-back episodes. Johnny Sack goes to prison. 
And unfortunately, two episodes later, he's diagnosed with cancer. Um, Junior's dementia takes a giant leap forward. Tony meets Fran Feldstein, his father's long-term mistress. Mm. And he, uh, through a series of flashbacks and talking to Dr. Melfi, he realizes that, hey, my mom was really bad, but my dad didn't do her any favors. My dad was a lying scumbag yeah. who uh, kind of pushed me into this life. So this this arch, that's not the right word, this this uh, this pedestal that he puts his father on yeah. starts to get chipped away. Um, it's never this good again, I don't think. Uh, it's never this lighthearted again. Every, and everyone is who they're going to be by the end of it. Mm. Um, Carmela basically gives Tony a price to move back in. She wants her spec house. Yeah, spec house, right, yeah. Yeah, and she's going to... Yeah, she, she wants her spec house. She's got her price, and um, she's basically... In, after this, she gives Tony the green light to uh, to screw around mm-hmm. with other women. Uh, hey, but, you know, I'm not judging that character. Uh, to me, it's comfort television. I can... If I don't have anything to watch, I'll just go put on... A random episode of season five. Maybe I'll get lucky and I'll get a, a Feech Lamana episode. Yeah, and uh, it's all good. It's it's to me. It's the it's just television done the right way. Yeah, that's a I. I think the I I, I think we talked about this you know last uh, last uh, week, but the last two episodes of season five are just uh, fantastic, and yeah. I th- I think. Um, for me, it probably was between three and five, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, uh, I went three, you went five. Uh, those two yeah. episodes were are really hard to deny, I think, in my opinion. That's right. That's me. Um, yep. All right. My number one and your number two is season four of The Wire, which <laughs> um, if HBO obviously rules supreme. Um, yes. Uh, and this this came down to me between three and four. That's those were the two seasons that I was yep. trying to, to to pick between, and it was kind of hard to ignore three um, mm-hmm. because uh, you know we talked about this last week where it's like the wire to in my opinion in my humble opinion the mm-hmm. wire is the best television show of all time. Yeah, and but there isn't that single episode that you can really point to right. that stands yeah. out where you're like, man, that's fantastic. It's just it's. It's much more seasons, I think, and when you look at mm-hmm. it just as a season as a whole, and I, and I think that's just how you have to view this the show. Um, yeah. And you know, people are hard on season two and season five, and that's fine. I get it, but there are a lot of great things that happen in those individual seasons oh, as well. Absolutely, you know? and and you have to look at what the wire. It's it's before we get into the nuts and bolts of season four, you have to look into what the wire represents it shines a light on society and what's wrong with society mm-hmm. and seasons two and five are a big part of that exactly yeah right yeah. and i think that a lot of it just is like well the characters aren't as interesting like in season two sure and also you don't get that resolve that you kind of want but like when you look at it and spoil, we're just going to spoil the wire. So if you haven't, please, please watch the wire. There's a reason that's on our yeah. list. There's a reason that we, you know, um, it, to me, like of all these shows that we've talked about, it's one of the under most underwatched of all these, uh, shows. Um, people love the Sopranos. People watch the Sopranos. It's, you know, basically one of the, uh, one of the first yeah. shows to really push this type of prestige TV. Right. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Obviously, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, um, to a lesser degree, Better Call Saul, but are, are huge within the zeitgeist. But yeah, absolutely, The Wire isn't necessarily there yet, or I don't know if it ever will be. But when I right. look at The Wire, you know, 
when the Greek or the yes is, is it the Greek the Jewish is it the Jew, he's actually Jewish right but he they call him the Greek mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah so when he when he's leaving and you're you're realizing like oh one he's not going to get caught two he's not going to get murdered he's and three we're probably never going to see him again in the show it's you're yeah. kind, you're kind of like oh really yeah. like you get I feel, you're just like kind of angry but you realize right. that's yeah. how this shit works right. Like that's how this really happens. Yeah. Um, not everybody gets caught. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he's long gone. He's got the he has the political cover and the capital. Yeah. Yeah. And because because the fix is in. That's what the wire is all. About. The, in the corner, uh, washing their money through him like he's just using them. Exactly. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but so let me. Uh, how? Why did you choose season four? What was your What was your well, maybe I'm a little bit biased, uh, but because the, the the kids are introduced, mm. that's uh, Dookie, Randy, Naaman, and Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, who uh, we should, you know, we should do a pod just about the wire because those guys, by the end of the series, all turn into kind of other characters. They all transition mm-hmm. into an older generation and replace the people who are gone. Yeah, but it just shines that light I'm talking about on the failed public school systems. Mm-hmm. Um. And the failed foster systems and just how it opens people's eyes to how bad public education can be. And for anybody listening, I I work in uh, central. I work for Columbus City Schools. I I work in a public school district every day. And while it isn't nearly as bad as it's portrayed on the wire, (laughs) uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean there aren't city schools that Mm -hmm. could be that bad. Um, And I'm sorry, I don't mean to say bad like that, but who could be that live in that volatile situations? Mm -hmm. Um, but the kids just the four boys, they just add a new layer to it, and to see them grow up in the show in the confines of Baltimore, and to see how how it's reinforced that the system is rigged, that you really got to have somebody special looking out for you, like Bunny. Mm-hmm. Then if you don't have somebody special, somebody with connections like Bunny looking out for you, there's there's no way out. It's it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is uh, one of the most heartbreaking. Um seasons of television too like yeah. you know we talked about a lot of dark stuff here a lot of murder yeah. a lot of maybe um backstabbing a lot of drugs and th- but this is different because this is this is realistic as it gets right sure. like this is absolutely this is i mean this shit actually happens yeah these characters yeah. are fictionalized but there's nothing in here that does not seem like reality um yep. and there are you know Presbo, uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Presbo is what they call him throughout yeah. the show. But Presbo, he he um, becomes a a more main character, I guess, and a more yeah. sympathetic character this season. And right. and I mean, obviously, you probably relate to him as a teacher, yeah. somebody or somebody who works in the school system. Yeah. And I just I look at that character, and his arc is like. It's got to be so painful. I have a lot of friends, yeah. um, not just you, but like, I have a lot of friends that work yeah. in public school systems, multiple that work in the Cincinnati public school systems, um, mm-hmm. you know, some here in the, in the local. Uh, and honestly, where I'm from, Mansfield, Ohio, it's like one of the worst school systems in Ohio. Sure. Um, yeah. So, right. like, I just see some of these teachers, and it's like you put all this effort and hard work in, and you're – the child leaves your classroom and they're immediately undercut by either their parents or the street or influences, yeah. you know, um, and or it's, both. yeah, or both. And it's just, yeah. man, it's just, 
it's this is a heartbreaking season um mm-hmm. and also we see bunny like his i think it's the first time where he like realizes how people like marlo or bodie are created right yeah. like he's dealt right. with them and the police officers in general have this view of these thugs for lack of a better term but yeah. When he gets injected into the school system a little bit, he gets to see like how are they actually made? How yeah. how does uh how does a um a Michael a Mike yeah. be- become um uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but we talked that yeah. we're going to spoil. But how does right. he become that Omar Omar? Right? How does he yeah. become that in the future? Right. Um, yeah, so I, I I totally agree with you, and I, yeah. he's got a little brother to take care of, and he's got a family to support. Exactly, right, right, and his home life is terrible, right, and he yeah. he's looking out for his brother. So, yeah, just the beautiful writing, and you know, um, David Simon is lauded for his ability to write these characters, but the thing that should be remembered is he embedded himself. You know, this yeah. was not just, uh, something that he came up with and said he lit, he worked for the Baltimore paper newspaper and he rode with cops every day. Right. He went out yeah. there and he did the dirt. He was in these situations. Sure. So he understood from a very, uh, like eyewitness level, what was happening, um, right. In these streets. So yeah. Anything Natural else you want to say? Police. Natural police. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and one thing that should be, um, we should say is homicide life on the streets was uh basically the wire before the wire he wrote that it mm-hmm. wasn't that big of a hit it was on obviously on network television but right. and, I, and i haven't seen any of those episodes but people say that's very comparable in terms of uh, the initial season one storyline of the wire yeah. i have not seen that either um but, but i need uh, anything david simon i want to consume uh just just to add up before we wrap this, this up um the political corruption is also highlighted a lot in season yeah, four. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not, I shouldn't say it's, it's one of the main plots. Um, you know, cause Avon is his, he's washing money basically by contributing to political campaigns, but, and it starts to get investigated, but Burrell, the police chief and the mayor who loses Duke Carchetti, um, shut down that investigation. Yeah. And then as soon as Carchetti becomes mayor, he starts. He has to. He has to play within the the rules of the game. Yep, it's all in the game. It's all in the game. Yep. And and he becomes corrupt, and you root for him. You root for Littlefinger. Yeah. And yeah. And then um, Carcetti becomes Littlefinger, basically yep. by the yep. end. And it's it's sad. And and while we're talking about depressing actions on television, and the whole this is what I, this is how I'll wrap up what I'm going to say about season four of The Wire, and this this whole episode we're having about the best episodes of all time or the best seasons of all time excuse me and all the violence we're talking about and it's all kind of glorified and it's all mostly yeah. fictional the most brutal act of violence on my list is when randy's foster mom's house is firebombed yeah that is so hard to watch and randy yeah. obviously never recovers after that yeah randy is just he's gonna be a new uh, avon yeah, he's, he's gonna he's gonna be. He knows how the game is played, and his last bit of humanity is shredded. He gets labeled a narc, and he's not a narc, and is a uh, just brutal, gruesome scene with his foster mom. That uh, I really don't care to watch that scene. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That is a brutal, brutal, brutal scene. And and, and man, and that scene, like you said, it is like one of one of the most I think 
realistic portrayals of violence that we could mm-hmm. talk about on the, like you know like it is it is and it's it I, I guarantee that that has happened you know what i mean Absolutely. like that has happened somewhere yeah um and i, I that I think that there's a good juxtaposition between that and um, Wallace's end too, right? Because, yeah. Um, you know. Right. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, just some really excellent television we talked about here today, yeah. The Wire. I would love to do – here's the thing. If we did A Wire, it would probably have to be a whole new I, – I, 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 and I'm being this – like I would – we wouldn't do it on this podcast. It would have to become a whole new podcast where yeah. we would just break down every episode because there is so much uh, socio-political stuff that I would love to get yes. into with you. Um, stuff that reaffirmed politics that, that I have. And, you know, yeah. one thing I want to talk about real quick with, with The Wire that um, should be mentioned too that I think is um, – again, I don't, don't want to stir the pot too much, but like – Obviously, this focuses on the police force and some of the things yeah. that they do right and do wrong. And um, recently, Baltimore was under the spotlight because Adnan Syed has been released. I don't know if you follow the Serial Podcast no. or that story, right. but he's been released yeah. from prison. Yeah. And you know, if you listen to that show, one thing my wife, you know, she never watched The Wire, and we talked about like, you know, mm-hmm. how could somebody be convicted without real evidence? And I'm like, they. The, the thing is, is there's so much pressure from the top down to close cases and yeah. the wire shines that light on it. They don't care who gets the body, who gets the body. It doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't matter. We've got to close cases. Right. Um, yeah. and if you really want to understand like why our police forces have, are, are considered corrupt and why it, it, it all comes down to mm-hmm. money and money yeah. rule. And, it, and it, it's, Hey, if we don't close cases, we don't get more money. We need money to close yeah. cases. So we got to artificial right. it. And anyway, so like I can go on forever, but it's just such an, interesting it's not about solving the case um yeah. it's about getting the case closed and what i mean by that is it's not about finding the real killer it's just about right. hey who can i put these bodies on how can i get yeah. these cases closed and that's the sad part and you and it's not just in baltimore obviously and this isn't sure. just a tv show this is real life this stuff yeah. happens so yep and and part of what you're saying that, that is what makes bunk so mm. such and a likable character because he chooses not to put that body on omar yep because he knows and he's, he's conflicted because he can finally put Omar away for something, mm-hmm. but he knows it's not the right body. Yeah. And that's and Bunk. Bunk's probably my favorite character. Well, I don't know. He's the most rootable character. I'll put it that way in The Wire, I think. For sure. For sure. Uh, and it's funny because I wouldn't say he's like even close to being one of the best actors on the show, but that character no. fits that actor perfectly. Like you can tell like Absolutely. that's just who he is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so many great characters too on this on this uh, on the show. Anyways, we I mean we spent a lot of time talking uh, about the wire. Um, anything else you want to say before we move on? We'll close this down. No, no. This this has been great. Um, let's let's keep on doing these series. This is fun, man. I like it a lot. Let's do it. Yeah, I think we're gonna talk about characters next. Our favorite characters or the best characters in television uh, coming up. And um, uh, I think. You know, we can. Uh, one thing I, I, I thought of too was when I was doing this, and um, I don't think you had any on your list. We didn't talk about, but uh, I think it might be fun to do is uh, top ten miniseries of all times. Ooh, that would be good. Sure. Um, yeah. So I think that would be interesting, and um, we've kind of seen a resurgence of miniseries as of late. Right. Um, 
with Netflix and Hulu have done some miniseries, um, which I know probably in when you were growing up, when you were you know younger, we were close enough in age that like in the nineties, it was like the golden age of the miniseries. And I would get <laughs> so excited. Yeah. Oh, there's a new Stephen King miniseries coming out right. or yeah. what, you know, what have you like, um, that was like a thing for us, right? Back Absolutely, in the day. Yeah. Like it would be a Tuesday and Thursday of one week and then Wednesday and Friday of the next. Yeah. Week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah can't wait. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that might be fun to delve into. I'd have to probably do some rewatching and it probably take a little bit more time, but, but yeah. Um, all right, Aaron, tell me where we can find more of your work on the internet. Sure. If you like uh, good food recommendations around the central Ohio area and other pop culture stuff I talk about, please follow me at underscore at underscore Netflix and grill underscore on your Instagram. And you can look me up at Netflix and grill on Facebook and uh, follow me at Netflix and grill dot blog. Do you have anything uh, that you're going to write about anything coming up? No, you know, back to being a teacher and in the education. <laughs> well, I'm not technically a teacher, but being in the education yeah. system, I have, uh, it is parent teacher conference and it is IEP time. Mm-hmm. And, um, it is data report, data report, data report until, uh, at least until December. So, this was a good break to get out of my everyday rut. I appreciate it. So you posted some crumble cookies on your, mm. um, and I got to ask you, um, is that one, the one that you posted, is that one of the, one of them? Is it the mint one? Was that one of the mint ones? Yes. Yeah. I yeah, love mint. Pretty, I, peanut butter and mint. I love mint. Was it good? <laughs> yeah, it was good. You know, it tastes like thin mint on top and, and peanut butter on the bottom. So. Interesting. That's an interesting yeah. combination. I, I, we don't have a crumble cookie here in Mansfield, but I was like, I saw that and I had been watching, I, I'm a nerd uh, and I'm also fat, but I, I like, <laughs> I like to keep up on the crumble cookie flavors. Um, yeah. and I saw that one was rolled out and I'm like, am I going to be in Columbus anytime soon? <laughs> Cause I really want, I really want to taste that. So, um, yeah, but yeah, that looked absolutely, uh, fantabulous as I said earlier. Um, yeah. Well, that's great. Um, you can find more of my work at calledapop.com. That's called with a K. Uh, Aaron, I don't know. Have you been following my series? Um, I actually I actually did it. I wrote something last week. Um, oh, I didn't see that you wrote anything. I've been keeping up with all your Halloween recommendations yeah. and reviews. So basically I'm doing a, uh, a horror movie every day for the month of Halloween. After that's 10, a, it's rough. Tough. It's it's rough. Um, yeah. I squeeze them in when I can. Um, I... Uh, after the first 10, I ranked them and I wrote an article just with a quick blurb. So it's not, yeah. it's basically if you're following the series, um, you, you kind of know where they're, they're ranking. But then, uh, after, after every 10, I rank those 10. And at the end of the month, I'm going to rank all 31 movies, um, and, nice. and write about them. But I, um, yeah, it's been it's been rough. The first ten was kind of brutal, to be honest with you, because yeah, right. I, I tried picking movies I had never seen, um, and I tried to keep. I didn't want to spread out like the genres too much with like, uh, you know, I want to kind of keep like, okay, if we're gonna watch some zombie films, I'm gonna try to watch as many as I can here. But right. it didn't really work out that way, and um, man, I watched some really bad. I watched some really bad movies the first ten days. I was yeah. like, "Oh, is this ever going to get good?" But uh, this this these last few days um, uh, have been much much better, uh, and I am more excited to write about them than I was the the first ten. So uh, nice. you can find that all at calledapop.com. Call with a K. Follow me on TikTok at Call of Pop, uh, on Instagram at Midnight Film Review, and. Um, uh, podcasts, of course, you're listening to it here, but also listen to my basketball podcast. The NBA is back. Woohoo! Last night was a fun night. 
I had a uh, not for the Lakers. Not for the Lakers. No, as a Laker fan, uh, I don't want to watch any more Laker games. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, long season. It's gonna be a long one, man. It's gonna be rough. Um, I did release a TikTok where I gave my predictions. So go to TikTok if you want to hear about my basketball predictions. And I recently was on the Knockdown J podcast. So uh, check that out um, if you're interested in some of my basketball takes. I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Anything else you want to say? No, man, let's do it again soon. Absolutely. All right, well, we will catch you on the flip side.